Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Script Shop is the name of the show. It's the show that we do every week. Hi there, my name is Jack. And my name is Allison. And, and I'm here to shop your script. <laughs> Did I just hijack that big time? No, it's okay. <laughs> We're workshopping the shit. <laughs> Yeah, I okay. can't even talk so intense. I know. Yeah, you you're, you got a very intense look in your eye right now. <laughs> I know. I was uh, channeling my inner Iron Sheik, and then I just started laughing. Mm-hmm. We'll chop your script. <laughs> Send it in, Jabroni. Jabroni. Yeah, I love him. I know he's very funny. He's I, very funny. I think it's very on brand for his Twitter account that he always tweets in, in all, all caps. caps. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. At Matry yesterday, we were crazy it was so busy at the brewery yes and somebody was asking how is it and i was like all these jabronis need to calm down (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a very appropriate use of jabroni Mm -hmm. and i uh, applaud myself for that well yeah i applaud you as well it's very good thank you thank you uh this is our podcast hi you're listening to us we talk to screenwriters about their scripts and why they wrote them, mm-hmm. and why they love them, and why we should love them, and why the whole world should know about this script, and the singular nuances that make this script belong to the writer that made it. And our uh, guest that we have on for this show is Kimberly Solomon, mm-hmm. who has written a short called Our Dirty Laundry. It is a 12-page, small-world, daughter-father metaphor story. Oh, my. There's a lot of metaphor in this story. There's a ton. Tons. There's a lot, a lot, a lot lot that I like about this script. Metaphor. Yes. I I mean, I love metaphor, and if the whole thing is metaphor, then there's got to be a lot, lot, lot that I love about it, too. Cool. If you would like to metaphorically talk about how much you love us. No, we need you to literally do that. <laughs> we don't like you know, spray painting of two redheads on a, on a, on a brick wall somewhere. Oh, I would love that. That doesn't do us any good. We appreciate it, and uh, I, that sounds great, and I'd love to see an it. An abstract redhead painting on a brick wall. Making like an apple. Yes, please. Two apple pies. Oh, yes. Food. Send us food. Metaphoric. Well, but what I'm saying is those are all ways of like reviewing us and letting us know that you like us yeah. as metaphors. We need you to literally do it. And by doing, like, leaving us a review or... Uh, Sharing episodes to your friends? That yeah. would be so cool. And you can do all that uh, through various uh, the way, how's your, however you're streaming the show, right. iTunes or Google Play or anything like that on Stitcher. Stitcher there's probably SoundCloud. a share option, yeah. Yep. Um, you can also look us up on Facebook or iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the show. Mm-hmm. Or you can look, up, look us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter just to, you know... Chit chat with us via the social network that we all live in and are connected to. Oh my! <laughs> uh, and it, there's also an, a money option too. If you do like what we do and you'd like to maybe contribute to uh, helping us uh, produce the show, we've got some ideas from what we'd like to do with it. And, yeah, uh, we could use some buckaronis to make that happen. Buckaronis, buckarinis, if that's all you've got. Buckaroos too, if you need them. <laughs> yeah. So sure. buckaronis, rinis, haroos, and if you are really swinging for the stars. 
Go for buckawonies. Those are the big ones. Those are the big bucks. Mm-hmm. Buckawonies. Oh, I don't know. I've always. I feel like whenever we get into this part of the show and start mm-hmm. talking about nicknames for money, it's <laughs> like a car that's almost ready to drive off the cliff, but somehow like it just barely stays on. <laughs> that pretty much sounds like my life. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Let's talk about people changing their lives and interacting with each other with Kimberly. Yes. Do you want to talk to Kimberly? Is that what you're... Yeah. Okay. With the story we love so much. Let's uh, put Kimberly on. Hi, Kimberly. Are you there? I am here. Thank you. Thank you so much for sending us your work. Uh, Can I ask how you found us, by the way? I found you from Film Freeway. That's great. Was film, I think it's cool. Does Film Free like promote us, or do, like are you searching for things? I, I'm just curious how you found us. I am an avid searcher on Film Freeway, but it was not hard to find you, and I was really glad that I did. Well, we're very glad you did too, because we really like uh, your script, Our Dirty Laundry. Oh, thank you so much. Where are you calling us from, Kimberly? I currently live in Los Angeles. So I've been here about four years now. Mm-hmm. And just as a side note, what is your wildfire situation right now? Oh, yeah, good question. That is a great question. And luckily, you know, we live a little east of the city, so we are safe. Um, we sometimes do get soot, you know, from all the fires. Sure. But, yeah, I feel so bad for everyone dealing with that. And, yeah, it's just really sad, but we are good for now. We are completely safe, so I'm very grateful for that. Yes, and so mm-hmm. are we. Yeah. Thank you. You said you've been living there for four years? Yes. Um, I came here a little over four years ago, and I'm originally from Alabama, so I just packed up my car and drove across country. Ooh. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, that's the, the dream. That's the move. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I listened to a lot of inspirational music along the way. It was great. (laughs) What inspired that move then? Well, I have a very interesting um, story. I've actually also lived in New York City. Mm -hmm. So when I was 20, I actually got an internship on Broadway Mm. on Wicked. Well, that sounds like a dream. (laughs) Yeah. I've lived a lot of dreams. It's been really great. Um, so actually I, first I flew to New York with just two suitcases. Um, mm-hmm. my parents were not happy. You know, my dad's a professor, so they cut me off. I was on my own. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I was in New York primarily, um, writing theater and as a stage manager. Um, so I was there for actually almost four years and then I did decide to finish my degree and then as soon as I graduated, I packed up my car, and I just knew I wanted to pursue the screenwriting aspect mm-hmm. of That's my That's amazing. Passion. So I just came across country. Okay, we're going to have to slow down a little bit so that I can talk to you about <laughs> all these big things you just laid out on the table here. Yeah. Um, the first one being this Wicked internship. How did you get that, and what did it entail you doing? Yeah, um, so I'm a very driven person. You know, I definitely have always been really good at applying for jobs. And I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, but there's a lot of art there. So I used to be a production assistant for like the ballet and community theater. I had a really long resume because I was always doing theater, trying to build it up. So when I was, you know, 1920, I started, um, I got something called the Theatrical Index, which was only available in hard copy, even though obviously there's email and everything, even at that time. (laughs) But um, it was just like one of those things. 
So I got one of those, and I got every single name of a Broadway producer, found their office address, and I think it at least gives their physical address. But I called a bunch. I got some emails, and I would send a physical copy as well as an email. And I heard back from two of them. And for the Wicked one, their intern had just been promoted. So basically they called me and asked me if I was in New York. And I basically told them that, oh, well, I'm moving there in two weeks, even though I was enrolled in college. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, great. Okay, that sounds perfect. So I literally just was like, okay, I told my family and all my friends I'm moving to New York. Yeah. So it was crazy, but it was awesome. Well, you, you said that your dad cut you off? Like, are you talking like like he never talked to you again and didn't give you any money or anything? We're in really good terms. You know, right now, I mean, obviously this was a while back and, you know, we've never been on bad terms emotionally, but financially there was definitely the understanding that I could not ask them for any money Mm -hmm. at all. So I just had to work my butt off. So of course I applied for tons of jobs. I, I always worked in theater, so I did lots of different Broadway internships and then nights and weekends. I would um, stage manage. Mm-hmm. But to, to answer your other question, for Wicked, I mostly assisted the producers and the company manager in the office. And this is also when Spelling Bee came to Broadway. Mm-hmm. So it was really an exciting time. So I was able to go to the theater and help out stage managers and run errands, you know, that sort of thing. But I just had I had a great time. Well, it sounds like it. Like that is such a, a very fast-paced world and just being in the middle of you know, some of the best theater in the world getting made would be so cool. I learned a lot, um, absolutely. And even just from a screenwriting perspective, you know, I've lived a lot of different places and I've experienced a lot of different things. And I think it makes me a better screenwriter, or at least that's my my hope, you know, everything you go through in life, you want to be able to use it for a purpose. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so when did the writing then really kick in for you? Well, um, I was always passionate about writing for theater, and I used to write musicals in high school. So when I was 18, I actually put all my money, and I produced a musical that I wrote. Holy cow. And I, you know, directed it, you know, quote, in quotes, because I'm not a director. But basically, I just paid for everything and put it on as much as I knew at the time. I mean, it had a lot of issues, of course. It's not, I'm not saying it was Broadway quality or anything. Yeah, but, but I mean, I no, you wrote a script, you wrote uh, music, lyrics, everything, right? Yes, and I recorded it because I played piano wow. at the time. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so so that was my passion back in the day, and it actually wasn't until um, probably 2012 when I took my first screenwriting class. And it just really touched me so much. There was just something about the medium that I think fits me so much better than, you know, writing musicals or plays ever did. So I just knew that that was what I wanted to do. How does your experience of having, like, you know, your theater background, writing for film and maybe trying to think more along the lines of a movie versus things that could be on a stage. Because I think this script, Our Dirty Laundry, could very easily be a play. I, it, it, there's the, a very straightforward, like, theatrical feel to it. Right. Uh, but, like, knowing now that if you're writing for a movie instead of uh, for the stage, how does it? How does your mindset change or how does your theater background influence your writing? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question. And a lot of my writing does tend to look like that. I do a lot of character drama. 
So I do think theater trained me well with characters because mm-hmm. my, my official degree when I did finish my bachelor's is in theater as well. And I definitely learned a lot about that. And then dialogue as well. You have that natural rhythm with theater dialogue. So I do tend to draw on that. And it's actually something I'm trying to get better at, especially the pieces I'm writing now, is to think more visually because it's a newer thing, you know, in terms of film. But you have to. It can't always be two people in a room, but uh, but with shorts, it helps because then it's cheaper to produce. <laughs> I think one of the things that really stands out to me in terms of her, your theater background is that your scenes mostly have entrances and exits throughout them. Like mm-hmm. she exits to get food for Devon. She enters again, and it's the beginning of a new beat of yes. a new thing. And that's very theater. That yeah. people, people have intent on stage, and if they don't have a – you know, when they're done, they get off the stage, and then that's a new scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. But in, you know, in all honesty, that's something I need to get a little better at. So one thing – I've been taking a lot of different classes. I read a lot of books. I'm always trying to grow. And one thing that I'm really trying to do with this current feature I'm writing is to think more about the most important action that needs to be shown on screen and cut some of that, you know, boring action, you know, because it's a, it's a completely valid point. That is my natural tendency. I feel like we need to know everything, but I don't think you necessarily do for film. So it's something I'm trying to learn. What are you trying, like you say, you've been taking classes. What, what kind of things are you doing to teach yourself more about writing? Well, I think my favorite thing is to get a lot of different books. Like, obviously, the Robert McKee book, I'm trying to re-read those, especially the one on dialogue, because I think there's always so much to learn for dialogue. And um, Screenwriting U has some great classes, and Jacob Kruger has some great classes as well. So I've been trying to do as much of those as I can, um, because they're the ones that are really showing me, okay, these are the things I can constantly change. I think you always have to keep growing and trying to get better. One of the things that I really, really like about this script is how efficient you are with the dialogue. Specifically, I always thought that when you're trying to do exposition dialogue, it's I think that's some of the toughest to write because in order if you want to actually make it sound like it's not exposition. And I love how in the early part of the script when this main character Mia is on the phone, you just sort of overhear her in the middle of a conversation, but the words that she's saying into that phone like mean something in the script later on. It's not wasted time. It's giving you insight into the character and then what ultimately the story is going to be. I think it's it, it's 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 like casual exposition. It doesn't beat you over the head with yes father i am here at the laundromat but like it, it it's it, it gets the job done it's it's really well written oh thank you so much i really appreciate that this story um i guess we should just lay it out for our listeners a little bit if we're oh you know i want to talk about the whole alabama to los angeles thing oh yeah sure because we're already talking about the script so i was thinking oh we'll go there but actually there's so much more here so you went from <laughs> why did you leave new york then yeah Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I was there for four years, and I love New York, um, but I think after a few years, the fast pace, you know, all of that environment kind of got to me after a while. I think I was a little bit over it at that point. Um, But at the same time, I was really feeling like I wanted to finish my college degree. Um, So I did end up finishing my degree back in Alabama. Roll Tide? So that... 
you know, I'm not really either side, but my brother and sister went to Auburn, so I probably can't say real tight on a recorded line. No, okay. <laughs> That's okay. I never, I never, never, never make sports references, so that was uh, a bit outside of my wheelhouse anyway. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, though. They're doing great, so I'm happy for that. Oh, good. But um, I went to UAB, so it's in Birmingham, because that's where I started my degree. So that was um, that just seems like the best option at the time. But I'm just so glad I did, because our screenwriting professor there just taught me so much, and it was a really good program. And um, I wanted to get my bachelor's degree. That was just something that I had always really wanted to finish that. And, yeah, but then while I was finishing my degree, I was taking more and more screenwriting. I was writing more. And I just knew I, I was going to make the move to L.A. So it was just a matter of getting that degree and packing up the car. <laughs> wow. What kind of hard choices did you have to make in terms of what would fit in your car and what wouldn't oh. on, your, on your journey to L.A.? That's a great question. You know, that's hard. I've done that multiple times in my life. So admittedly, <laughs> it's always hard. It doesn't always get easier. Um, I don't spend tons of money on stuff I don't need, but... You know, everyone does buy something. So, you know, there's a lot of different Christmas things that I couldn't take with me. And though what did, what's interesting is what I did take. I have three ice buckets that I brought with me because I love ice buckets. I don't even drink alcohol, honestly, but I absolutely love a cute ice bucket with ice in it. Like, I don't care what I'm drinking. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yes, it's one of my quirks. There you are. But they they can be like really like decorative and stuff, right? Like a you know a a fancy like a vintage ice bucket. Yeah. There's some nice ones. I have a leather one. I just have a really pretty silver one. I have a crystal one. You know, it's just things like that that I just think there's like certain things I took with me like that. But obviously, I took practical things too. Um, But but yeah, I've gotten rid of a lot of different things. But you know, I did bring what's important to me. I have no regrets about what I packed. So okay. <laughs> um, what did your father think about your move to L.A.? You know, my parents are so much more supportive, at least emotionally. They're so much more emotionally supportive of my career. I think they're starting to see, you know, that I can make this happen. I am responsible on my own. But, you know, it took quite a while, honestly. Um, basically, my mom's a teacher as well. So they just didn't understand the whole passion uh, you know, following your dream type of thing. But, you know, it worked out really well because even the first feature I wrote was like a coming-of-age story of like an 18-year-old going west in the 1880s. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it just you just learn so much about yourself, and um, I'm glad I had all that experience. So we're, all, we're on very good terms. You know, I definitely can't wait to see them at Christmas. Yeah. And they definitely see the value in it. I think they're, they understand like this will happen. I, I will make this career happen. You know, I'm not going to give up. So, you know, you mentioned this other script that you've written about an 18 year old going West. And this kind of sounds like something that might be relevant to your life. A young person <laughs> who decides to move to a new city in a new place. Does your writing exactly. usually mirror your life? You know, I think it does to a degree. It's not always that specific. Um, but even like we'll probably talk about with this short, I definitely put a lot of my own life into it and also just different things that I want to explore as a person and as a writer. But sometimes it's really cathartic for myself to just put it on the page, especially with like different characters, kind of see how would they react to it. Um, I find that really soothing and it's helped me in the past 
So I think even when I try not to, I think there's always something you relate to with the writing with yourself, which I think is important, though, too, to try to make it genuine. Well, yeah, because, I mean, yeah, as much as you're maybe writing for an audience or, you know, wanting to tell a story, it's also your brain, you're, you're, you're essentially talking about yourself just in, in a roundabout way for the most part. And I, I think it, mm-hmm. I, I feel like based on the conversation we've had so far and after having read Our Dirty Laundry, I, I think that I can sort of see that. And you're talking about a, a girl going west in the 1800s. I think this all sort of fits in line. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, what parts of you showed up in Our Dirty Laundry, do you think, specifically? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I have definitely suffered trauma in my own past, especially in my young adulthood. I am still young, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, <laughs> when sure. I was really young. Um, and so I definitely have struggled with PTSD. Um, you know, luckily I'm not struggling with it anymore, so that's definitely a blessing. But it, that's one thing I wanted to kind of put into the script. You know, I've never served for my country. I would be horrible at that. But I really appreciate the people who have because I can't do that. Right. Um, and I've had relatives who have, of course. And it's just such an amazing thing. And, I, you know, a lot of them do come back with PTSD. And I think that is an issue. I'm always interested in those kinds of stories, like, a, you know, a group of people who need that kind of support just in general, like, you know, whether it's medical care or you know, um, mental health. That, that's something that I think is always good to explore. Um, so that was one of the big things is I just kind of wanted to put that PTSD, you know, in that scenario with a soldier. Um, and then the other thing is the thing that gave me the idea for this short was actually, so I was living in the Valley in this really small apartment. I was renting an air mattress. I just, I was paying 400 a month to rent an air mattress in the living room. Wow. So it was really small. Um, you know, just an interesting experience. But in our laundry room for our apartment building, there was a homeless person living there. Mm. And, you know, I wish I had been maybe as kind as Mia. Like, maybe I should have put more time into, you know, trying to touch that person's life. Um, But I did not really. But I feel that's one thing I was thinking about. Like, well, I really think that we can touch people's lives. So it's not like we have to give money necessarily, but just being there for someone to listen to, I think can touch people's lives. But that literally happened to me where we had someone living there. So it was just, that's what gave me the initial idea. Um, I want to ask you another question and you don't have to answer this if you don't feel comfortable doing that, of course, but you know, you mentioned that you had PTSD as well from some of your, your trauma. And I'm just curious what, happened and how what your experience with PTSD has been like um sure no I'll definitely share that um I was sexually assaulted by actually someone I was dating um when I was in my early 20s and you know I'm a Christian so it's just a long story but I actually didn't have sex till I got married last year oh and congratulations (laughs) on the wet on the wedding Yes, exactly. And so did my husband, which was like he waited for me as well. So that was actually just so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> He's fantastic. So, yeah, we're basically we both waited. So that's something I actually want to explore, though, in a future screenplay, a feature screenplay, is kind of a faith based drama about that journey because that's yeah. been a really challenging journey for me in terms of dealing with the assault, but also in the sense that. 
you know, really affected the way I viewed myself because right. of what I was trying to do for God. Right. So just that's that's basically that. But I definitely have had a lot of therapy for that. You know, I was, I'm always the kind of person who seeks out help. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing I wanted to kind of explore with this short script too, because you know I think Mia has a problem and she doesn't always necessarily seek out help right away, but in the end she does sort of get it through this person helping her. But I'm definitely the kind of person that seeks it out myself mm-hmm. in any case. And so I've always gone to therapy, and it's been fantastic. I mean, I think having it, I mean, for whatever reason you're dealing with, even if it's just to talk to someone, I mm-hmm. think it's, been, it's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but the PTSD did continue for quite a few years, even with me trying to figure it out. And um, But luckily a few years ago, you know, I was really able to get just a whole different type of therapy. I don't even understand it all, to be honest, but mm-hmm. that kind of changed everything for me. So I haven't had any issues with that, you know, thank the Lord. But yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah. therapy is wonderful, and I've gone to therapy for different reasons throughout my life, including things that happened when I was younger that I didn't expect to happen, that I didn't want to have happen to me. And so I can understand if you had, you know, some sexual trauma that not only surprised you in, the, in like, as you're going through your life, but then also shifted you know what you thought your identity was and your place in the world that having somebody help you with those things would be very important and then you know you were talking about how you just really recognize when people are reaching out to help for help the kind of maybe emotional situations they may be in and then that fascinates you as well and we have here devon in this story he has ptsd and um i just wonder who he is inspired by or if it's kind of this metaphor for some of the things you really talk about in terms of relatives having PTSD or yourself having PTSD. Yeah. You know, my relatives haven't really suffered it. I think nearly as outwardly or, you know, as, as I did. So if anything, I definitely, you know, basically was trying to put myself into the role of Devon in that sense. Um, now, luckily, I've never been homeless, and I've never done drugs or anything like that, but I understand the need to find some kind of coping mechanism, you mm-hmm. know, and try to deal with it in your own way. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing I really wanted to do with this story is show that if we kind of help each other and if we do talk about these things, and get you can get help, and it can get better. So I definitely am I'm a very optimistic person, absolutely. Um, so I think... I think I put that in my scripts whether I want to or not. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it tends to be optimistic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like as, as, for this show, too, like, the, what's the bit about, like, in your dreams, like, your dream, you're everybody in your dream. And, like, in this case, like, <laughs> you know, there's an influence. You've got a, a personal connection with me as character as far as being in this laundry room with someone who's sort of living there. And then your connections with Devon's character, it feels very much in that you're, you are everyone in your dreams kind of vein. Yeah, that, that's actually such a good point. That's so interesting. And um, I think that's true with a lot of my scripts. I think I do try to put myself into lots of different roles because that's what I can relate to. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, if, if this person's going through this, I can relate to that. Like, so I know how he would act, or at least, you know, it's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're starting from the heart of somebody. Yeah. You know, if you don't understand the situation exactly, you're empathizing with what it would be like, connecting it back to yourself, and then writing from that place. Yeah, you're building from the inside out. Yeah. Definitely. So we want to uh, share a little bit about what's going on in this script. Would you be interested in kind of laying out for the listeners what happens? 
Oh, sure. Yeah, just in a general sense. Um, so Mia, she's, you know, just this kind of a little rough around the edges, probably more like pessimistic girl who she's dealing with a lot of like family issues and she has turned to drugs. So she does kind of pop pills throughout. She takes her laundry out to the apartment building laundry room and she meets Devon, who is like a homeless man, a really young kid, you know, not necessarily um, someone who looks, you know, like he would be homeless. I think I want him to be a little bit more similar to her so she could relate to him, but she meets this homeless man and they kind of end up talking and through them really talking and connecting, they kind of find out how they're connected and they're both kind of able to help each other with this connection. And they find out they do have a connection to the past. Right. That's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Like this whole small world thing that you never know. You know, you know, people always say don't burn don't burn bridges, don't mm-hmm. do this, because you really never know where people are gonna show back up in your life. Or in a completely opposite sense, you know, you may meet somebody and suddenly realize you have a very close connection. Right. And that's always bonkers. Also, don't be just don't be a jerk. Yeah, don't be a jerk. <laughs> just don't burn bridges <laughs> as a general rule. <laughs> Which can be hard sure. sometimes. Yeah, you know, everybody runs through their whole little tunnel vision worlds for a lot of the time but you know in general kindness is appreciated so we want to go ahead and read from your script so we're just going to hit your mic off for a little bit and we'll be back with you in a few moments stay with us kimberly um listeners today we have a reading for you if you're following along it's going to start in the middle of page nine Mm -hmm. um i will be reading for mia jack will be reading devon and frank oh hold on Sorry, Frank, I didn't have your microphone on. Oh, you missed it. <laughs> yeah, I did. Sorry. We got Frank back. We got Frank. We are, we are Frankful. We are very Frankful <laughs> not to, be, to not be Frankless. Uh, Frank's going to be reading all of our action headings. Um, so, And mm-hmm. I think she set it up pretty good, right? Mia's been going to this. There's, this Devon is sleeping in the laundry room, mm-hmm. and she's brought him food a couple times. She was going to call the cops at first. Yeah, she she definitely wrestled with, like, am I going to be nasty about this or not? Right. And kind of worked her way through it a bit. And now. And, they, and they've talked a little bit here and there, and now this is like their second sort of interaction. Right. I believe. So, Frank, whenever you're ready, take it away. Yeah, Frank. Mia sits next to him on the ground. Thanks for the laundry, by the way. That was was sweet. My fiancé won't even fold my laundry. What did the phone do to deserve such a flogging? My stupid fiancé invited my fucking father to our wedding, the bastard. Better taking it out on a phone than a person. So the phone saved me from your wrath? No, I was mm, kind of hoping you'd be here. They look at each other for a moment. Mia smiles bigger. Me too beat i wish you were dead my father devon nods and takes a deep breath i understand hating someone that much he stares straight ahead things have happened to me in the navy i can't imagine what war is like never went to war had a different kind of battle oh i can't get past it i never could i I try to ignore it but it follows me like Horrible shadows that never leave me, no matter how hard I wish them to. Everyone has shadows. But now one cares about me. I I know what they see. I just feel so alone. 
I pray to God that he'll keep the darkness away, but they're close. So close I can feel him in my gut. I understand that. I have shadows too. Devon's eyes swell with tears. You're not alone. Devon looks at her. He stares into his eyes. He puts on a tough face. After a long pause. My captain. He made me do stuff with him. I was, I was a kid. I was 18. I didn't have a home to go back to, so I couldn't leave. And one night, I finally did stand up to him. I saved a razor blade, and when he came at me, I slashed his cheek with it. And he had me dishonorably discharged for indecent behavior. Devon laughs at the irony. <laughs> Isn't that fucked up? Devon shakes his head. He wipes a lone tear from his cheek. I just couldn't get past it after that. <sighs> I tried to kill myself a couple of times. I... But I guess God wants me alive for something. He looks at Mia. Tears fall down her cheeks. God, I shouldn't have told you all that. I'm sorry. No. I I don't need your pity. It's not that. I'm upsetting it's, you. What's your captain's name? Devon pauses as if the words hurt as they come out. Birch Sanders. Mia takes a deep breath. That's my father. Devon stares at her in disbelief. Fuck. Devon places his head in his hand. Mia reaches up and grabs his hand. She squeezes it tightly. And scene. Kimberly, we got you back on. That is such an interesting turn that that script takes. And I, I like, I really, I, people like want to do like twists like that in their scripts sometimes. And, you know, oh my gosh, we know each other. Or there's this connection that what it's so random. And I don't think it's contrived at all in this. It, I think it totally, totally, totally works in the, the whole build up to it. And that just coincidence enough. I, I think it totally works. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. This whole segment really highlights the metaphor of our dirty laundry. It's a great title. Yeah. The fact that everybody's got dirty laundry and then people have it in common. Um, were you just so pleased as punch with yourself when you came up with that title? <laughs> um, I will admit I like the title a lot. So, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. the, the script is set at Easter. Why uh, was there a specific reason why uh, you set it at Easter time? You know, I think it was just because, you know, at my church, um, there's more of a push to like reach out to people at Easter time. Not that you should only be, you know, nice to people and holidays. Yeah. But that is something that our church does and at Christmas too. Um, so I think it's just I feel like even if, you know, Mia were to like go randomly, she might hear how important it is to reach out to someone and that could be on her mind when she sees him. Um and, you know, one thing, my husband is actually amazing at that. He just talks to everyone. He brightens everyone's day. He's actually, I think, more positive than I am. So it's like he makes me better at that. So mm -hmm. it's like something that I think we should all try to remember to do year-round. Like mm -hmm. try to touch someone, even just by being nice to them. <laughs> well, in Easter time, you're talking spring. You're talking new beginnings, new life. Like the hope of the year yes. is starting to kick in. I mean, all that's sort of right there. Yeah, that's true, too, yes. I'm just going to go with that. I was plan planning it all. <laughs> <laughs> You're sweet. Brilliant. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. What was it about, uh, you know, this coincidence story that you wanted to write about? Like, 
why did Mia have to meet somebody that knew her father in this way, particularly? Yeah. Well, one aspect I was thinking about in terms of Mia is I think it's something that she kind of needs a little bit of healing for as well. Like it's still, it obviously like affected her family a lot, affected her, um, you know, basically in my head, you know, this whole, thing kind of came out later, maybe not even specifically with Devon. So I don't think he necessarily has gotten a lot of justice. But, you know, I think what I wanted was that, you know, in my head also eventually, like after this script, you know, Mia and Devon would be like helping each other kind of get through it. Like just to have someone else who understands that situation even more specifically, I think can be really healing. So that's one aspect I was thinking of. Um and then, you know, I just really do think that it is a small world. I think that things do happen for a reason. And so you just kind of never know when you'll have a coincidence like that that can change, like, either your life or really change someone else's life. Yeah, so and, it's just something, like, to always be aware of. <laughs> and, and the way, so that was sort of the big climax, the scene that we read. And then it goes on to Mia and Devon are going to a church. Uh, he's cleaned himself up. She's clearly, like, maybe helped him out a little bit more in terms of, like, financially. And they're going to, like, a group therapy session at church. And that's how the that's how the script ends, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So they're just at least starting to kind of get help that they need. Yeah. You know, they're supporting each other. And really the whole thing is, too, that Mia wouldn't even necessarily be getting that help if she didn't have Devon. You know, yeah. She's helping him, but in the same time, she's kind of helping herself. Um, so it's just something to remember. Like, you never know. Like, you may just be trying to be nice to someone. Right. And you never know when they might just touch your life, you know, even just in a small way emotionally. They might just say something. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think that's really true, and it's just something I wanted to explore. There's such a like warm humanity element to this script. This 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 idea of that like little moments of kindness. You know, she comes into this laundry room. Here's this guy. She's going to call the cops at first, and he's just with his hands up, saying, "Just please, I just I, I'm not going to hurt you. I just need a place to stay." And she decides, "Okay, you know what? I'm not going to call the cops." She brings him like a little bit of food. These like these little moments of kindness, just these little things that end up leading to this like greater understanding and you know and she gets you know the idea that it's getting paid back to her just as much like it's it it, i love the idea of like just being a little bit nice in a given moment that leads to a thing that really really matters yeah definitely Honestly, this is making me rethink my life. <laughs> I mean, it, I need to start being nice to people. I mean, we should. I mean, the, the, I, this is such an ideal. Like, I mean, the the trappings of the story of them having the the, the father in common and the the, the history of, of abuse and stuff. That's one thing. But just the 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 message of if you're just a little bit nice and and, and it's like the little moments that you right. don't think about right. that it's really easy to gloss over and just yep. you know laying on a horn on somebody on, on when you're driving or saying something rude to somebody in line because you know. Know they're going to walk away, and then it's then a, you the never have to see them again. Yeah, right. Just like the idea that those little moments are, could potentially be what really matters to a huge part of your right. life. I think is I think it's so well written. I love. Yeah, that. I think that's such a special metaphor, not a like a thesis on yeah. this story. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I love it. Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate it, and yeah, it's good for all of us to remember. Like even myself, it's always a good reminder. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. easy to get stuck in your own head sometimes. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about the production process on this? Oh, yeah, because this is made, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
We we did produce it. Um, we haven't really distributed it, so we don't really have a place where anyone can see it right now. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a good process. You know, this is the third script that I've produced myself. Um, and you know, basically, we did do some crowdfunding. Um, we just raised uh, like thirteen hundred dollars, and we still, you know, had to ask some friends for favors and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, it was enough to produce it, and it was mostly my friends and family who contributed. You know, but it was still really sweet to have the support. And we shot it in two days, just like different places around LA. And, um, yeah, it was a good experience. Uh, the only crazy part is we actually did lose our director uh, two weeks before shooting. Oh, no. everything else was all set. So um, that was probably a little, like, a tough time. We just had to get a new director kind of quickly. Um, but I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun on the set. And it was so helpful just seeing the words come to life. You know, even just as a writer, I think you learned so much. <laughs> That's incredible. What changed from the finished product from what you originally wrote? Well, the structure is pretty much the same. Um, The scenes, it's like the same order. Um, We did cut more of the lines. So there are definitely some lines that are cut. And I think it is a little more streamlined. It it works better on screen, you know, because you don't want the scene to be too crazy long where that's all you're staring at. Um, So that was that. And, both of our actors are pretty young. I think they're both in their early 20s, but we wanted them to kind of be comparable so that they could sort of relate to each other, you know, as, as characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, mostly just the cutting of lines, but the, the scenes are all the same. The actor, you know, the, the names are all the same and all of that. So it, it stayed pretty true. <laughs> any, uh, any surprises as far as, like, maybe what, your, what the cast brought to the table or, you know, what your photographer was maybe suggesting visually that you hadn't thought of? And any, any big surprises like that going from script to screen? Yeah, well, you know, I was really impressed with the character, um, the girl who played Mia. Um, oh, goodness, I'm blanking on her name now, but she was so fantastic. And she's this, like, really petite girl. I think originally I, I envisioned almost like, um, I don't know, like some, maybe like a strong female, like really tall. Um, and she's like this really, like, small firecracker. And, you know, she just brought this whole energy to the table that was so realistic. I think she was, oh, she was just so strong. Like, she really carried the piece, to be honest. And uh, I would definitely work with her again. Um, so I think just her interpretation of it was different than I had envisioned. But, I'm, you know, I'm just so glad about that because that's why I don't necessarily direct. You know, I really want someone Well, you got that experience from uh, the musical it. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I knew I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's just, it's just not my thing. I mean, you know, I think that there are so many people really good at it, and I just want, want them to do it and make my work better. So that's my goal there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, collaboration is always just such a, a special yeah. part of the production process. It's nice that you're already into it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right. That helps. You didn't have to go. It, there wasn't much growth <laughs> necessary. Yeah. Yeah, we had a great team, and our editor was really great. So just the way he cut it together, um, it just flowed really well. But I'm, I'm, you know, always writing new uh, short scripts, so definitely want to keep producing them, just keep getting stronger. Yeah, <laughs> so. what's next? Do you have another, is something next uh, coming down the pipe? Well, um, 
I possibly have been starting pre-production. I'm still trying to figure it all out with a director. Um, but I have one that is kind of my similar style. It's essentially about a cop and a criminal who, um, you know, the, co- the criminal is trying to provide for his daughter. And, you know, his wife has um, been deceased for a while. They, him and his daughter have been homeless before. So it's him just, like, trying to provide for her. But then he ends up, like, taking some money from from work and so gets into the interrogation room with this um, cop. But then it kind of switches near the end where you also see some crimes that the cop has committed. So it's kind of about their meeting and their discussion, how it kind of changes kind of both of their lives, but especially the cop's life. And he kind of takes a look at what he's done as well. So it's, it's kind of... I guess it's like my MO a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Self-reflection and metaphor. Well, and, and human beings affecting each other <laughs> in a positive mm-hmm. way. I love that. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's just so interesting. I just like exploring it. And, and it's like they're different characters, um, obviously. So it's like it's interesting seeing like two people who are really different really try to understand each other. I guess I'm fascinated by that. Not all of mine are that, <laughs> that specific <laughs> with like, similarities, but uh, what can you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just keep writing. Yeah. So if somebody was interested in getting in touch with you to talk to you about your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, the best way, I am on Facebook. That's probably the one for social media that I am most interested in. But I can also give um, my email out if, you know, I definitely don't mind anyone emailing me, especially if there's anything I can do to help them. Um, so my, can I just go ahead? Go and for it. Yeah. It's um, Kimberly, so K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y, Jade, J-A-D-E, Tompkins, T-O-M-P-K-I-N-S, at yahoo.com. That's That's awesome. my maiden name. (laughs) So, yeah. Cool. Well, that information will be on our website, linked up to your show page, so hopefully you get lots of you know, some new interest in all of the great things you have to talk about. Yes, please. Kimberly, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for sending it in, and thank you for being on the show. Uh, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the honor. Yeah, so do best we. Best of luck to you as well. Thank, thank you very you. much. There's Kimberly. That's nice. I totally get why you love that script so yeah. much, like the small moments of kindness. Because mm-hmm. there's not enough of that in the world. I mean, you don't hear about it very often. And it's just right. It's so easy to it, – it, it's just so easy to, to, to miss it and ignore right. it and – just like the, the I, I don't know, I, 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 when stories are good, I want them to be good. And I want to like, I want to see like goodness in people sometimes. Yeah. This, sometimes, all the time. Well, this, this script scratched that itch. Sometimes I want to see people being bad or jerks or whatever. Well, that's true. But yeah. in this case, that this script really just scratched that itch for me. Yeah, I get that. It makes me happy. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it was nice talking to her about kind of her own experiences and how those worked their way in here. And for sure. Hearing her stories about overcoming some very challenging things in her life, too. If you've got itches that need scratching and you do that in forms of writing, particularly scripts, uh, you should send that to us. And you can do that uh, by going on to Film Freeway and searching script shop show the way Kimberly did. This yeah. isn't, I mean, there yes. was no prior connection there or anything. She just said, hey, these guys seem interesting. This sounds great. Why not? You know, honestly, we have a $0 submission fee, and a lot of times people will look for 
festivals or contests right. that are, and then I'm sure we pop up on well, the one thing. I, I know, like people will send us movies too. Like yeah. we've had films yes. sent to us, and it's like, uh, yeah. sorry guys, we the, say screenplays only. Yeah, I know. But uh, so you can submit that way, or you could also go on to scriptshopshow.com/slash/submit. That's right. And you can send us your work that way. And if you use the phrase that pays, hot burrito, mm-hmm. then you don't have to worry yeah. about us maybe finding you through because uh, we've had a lot of submissions. Yeah, that's right. So hot burrito, get to the front of the line. Um, maybe I'll go buy a burrito in your honor because it just makes me so happy when we get hot burritoed. <laughs> I think I'm gonna. There's a good chance I'm gonna get a burrito on, on the my way, way home. home. Yeah. <laughs> there's a Taco Bell pretty close to me, and I'm yeah, okay with that. Yeah, same. And so, um, cool. Check us out online. Hit us up Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook if you want to chit chat. Mm-hmm. But we'll always be here for you. So until next week, my friends, that is a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening.